I'm Maddie Orton, and you're listening to the Jersey Arts Podcast. Gloria Gaynor is best known as the queen of disco with her mega-hit dance anthem, I Will Survive. But this Jersey girl has never stopped taking risks and building on her success. Gaynor has appeared on TV shows, performed on Broadway, competed on The Masked Singer, written two books, lent her voice to various causes, and earned her BS in psychology and an honorary doctorate in music. She was inducted into the New Jersey Hall of Fame, the Dance Hall of Fame, and has won two Grammy Awards, first in 1980 for I Will Survive, and again in 2020 for Best Roots Gospel Album with Testimony. Most recently, a documentary on her life called Gloria Gaynor, I Will Survive, premiered at the 2023 Tribeca Film Festival. And up next, she will be singing at Bergen Performing Arts Center on September 16th. It was my absolute pleasure to chat with the music legend about growing up in New Jersey, how she got her big break, the legacy of disco, and her many projects. Without further ado, here's my interview with Gloria Gaynor. Gloria Gaynor, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. It's my great pleasure. You're such an incredible talent and icon, not just of the music scene, but also as a fellow Jersey girl. Yes. (laughs) member of the New Jersey Hall of Fame, born in Newark, and you've recently moved to Englewood Cliffs, right? Yes, that's right. So what is it about the Garden State that's kept you so connected to it? Well, family for one. And my mother used to say it's the water. Hmm. (laughs) Uh, Fun fact. In a good way? The water in a a good way? way, Or in like a, okay, good. Drinking water. Because... You know, you go to a lot of places, you don't like the taste of the drinking water. And that's because of the natural resources that are in that area huh. that get into the water. I mean, to me, I, having just gone to the beach last weekend, I feel like the the Garden State water keeps me here, too, because I never want to be too far from the shore. Oh, yeah. I know. I love it. We used to go to the shore all the time. Where would you go? Um, we went to Asbury Park, um, oh. um, Atlantic City. Oh, it's the best. And I know you came from a musical family. Tell me a little bit about your uh, music education growing up. Well, I always say I was educated by the greats because we were poor and I couldn't afford to go to any school or music teacher. But I learned from the likes of Nat King Cole and Sarah Vaughn and um, Ella Fitzgerald and Nancy Wilson and all of those great singers, um, Nat King Cole, I always say taught me diction. Nat King Cole mm. and Frank Sinatra taught me diction. Um, Sarah Vaughn and Nancy Wilson taught me phrasing. Things mm. that people don't really think about in singing today. And so uh, I feel honored that uh, I had those people to learn from. It's funny, actually, because a handful of those people are also Jersey people, right? Sarah Vaughn, yes. Frank Sinatra. Yes, yes. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. I think there maybe there's something in the water, actually, that <laughs> creates that many people coming out of Jersey. I love that. So how, how did you start honing your craft? Were you listening to those records and sort of listening to, to them to- and learning what I felt they had to offer? Like I say, I did learn diction from Nat King Cole and Frank Sinatra. Huh. I learned phrasing from them both. I learned phrasing also from um, Ella Fitzgerald mm. and uh, Gloria Lynn. And, and Nancy Wilson, and I stretched my range by listening to and trying to reach the notes of Barbara Streisand. And so, you know, these are the things that I thought were important to singing because I really hate it when I hear a song that I like, but I can't understand the words. Hmm. 
or, yeah. or when the artist seems to be not making enough of what the song is actually about. That's so you know, interesting. Um, so I always say, if you know, if you're not gonna, if people are not gonna understand your words, and they're not gonna get what you're talking about, you might as well be a hummingbird. <laughs> using words if nobody understands them <laughs> but you're right I mean like I it's funny like specifically I I grew up on a lot of Ella Fitzgerald and Frank Sinatra specifically oh, and yeah. I uh but I you know I'm, I'm a musical theater nerd myself so that yeah. you know there's a lot of crossover there I think with like yeah, yeah. American standards and stuff sure. but they both you're right make such meals out of the lyrics Mm -hmm. that right. it's just oh, so lovely to listen to. So were you walking around and singing? I mean, you had a family of musicians. So were yeah. people saying like, we need to, you know, get her in front of somebody or were they like, this is they, a, a hard listen, career. Don't do this. No, I grew up with five brothers who also sang. They never got to sing professionally, but they sang around the house. They sang around the neighborhood. They sang in school. And I didn't sing with them because I was a girl. Hmm. And so but nobody even knew I could sing. I can't imagine that. Okay. They didn't even know I could sing. So, um, and I wanted to be heard. I, I, the way that I got discovered um, was that I, I um, was working at a department, Bamberger's department store, met a girl there. We became friends. I eventually became her daughter's godmother. Aww. And one day she called me, I was on my first day of vacation and she called and asked me, could I come and babysit? for my goddaughter um, because the babysitter had not shown up. So I said, well, I'm not going anywhere for my vacation, so I can come for the two weeks, but you know, you'll have to get somebody else after that. I went and, and the first day I was there, I heard somebody walking in the apartment upstairs. Well, I just wanted somebody to hear me sing. I didn't looking for accolades or applause or anything. I just wanted somebody to hear me. So I began to follow that person's footsteps Oh my gosh. And when they would stop, I would stop and sing. And I did that every day for the two weeks that I was there. A couple of weeks later, my brother and I going to a movie, went to a movie and on the way home, we passed by a, a club, a nightclub. And I said, I saw the name of the group that was performing. And I said, I heard they were good. Let's go in and see them. We went in and as I was sitting there, Someone went up on the stage, uh, took the microphone from the band and said, ladies and gentlemen, we have a, a young lady in the audience. She's got a wonderful voice. Don't know her name, her last name, but her first name is Gloria. Maybe if we get a good round of applause, we can get her up to do a number. And he's looking at me and I am petrified. I, I always said, first I was afraid I was petrified. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but I, I went because, you know, this is something I had been longing for. Sure. And went up and they asked me, uh, what did I want to sing? Well, while I was sitting there, they had played Save Your Love for Me by Nancy Wilson. And I knew that song. So okay. I told them I wanted to sing that. And so they played it and I sang it. I got a standing ovation and they come to me afterwards and ask me if I can come and sing with them. Because how they did they know who you were? Exactly. They had a singer, but she was delinquent. And so I asked them that, how did you know that I could sing? And it turns out that the club owner was the person whose footsteps I'd been singing to. Stop it. And it, yeah. And it oh my gosh. And you didn't know? This is a God moment. No, I had no idea. I'd never seen him. Oh my the God. The way he saw me was that one day he told me one day I was leaving the building and my girlfriend called me out the window. And oh. so he went to the window to see who she was calling. And when I turned around, 
he saw what I looked like. He got my name, what he called me. And then when he saw me coming to the club, he went to the band and told him about me because he'd been hearing me sing for two weeks. Oh my God. I'm going to start singing so loudly in my apartment today, (laughs) just in case. That's amazing. And then you were, and you were signed by Clive Davis, right? Yes. Was that the first person who really like launched you to the next level? Yes, he signed me to uh, my first record contract. Yeah. And he has quite the reputation, obviously for being somebody who just understood amazing voices and talents, but also was supposed to be a really nice guy, right? He was very, very nice. He had me come three times and I'm like, this guy just likes my voice because there's no way the president of a record company needs to hear me three times. <laughs> They determine whether or not I could sing. Three times to audition? That must have been so nerve-wracking. Well, it was nerve-wracking the second time. Third time, I'm like, okay, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) Is that just what his style was? I have no idea. I just know that he finally signed me to Columbia Records. And then he left. And I was not signed to him. I was signed to the company. So I was left there. And so it took a while for me to take off. Uh, Eventually, Bruce Greenberg from... It was MGM. He was at MGM. Wow. And he heard me, heard my song that I recorded at Columbia and decided he wanted me on his label. And oh. um, and they came and uh and that sign. I know forget running, running across New York <laughs> to get the contract before because it was like if you don't get this contract signed by seven o'clock or oh something, it's, it's, the deal is done. And I had to run some some reason we they, they didn't get it to us. And at the last minute, I was running across New York to get back to 7th Avenue. To to, That's amazing. That's such one of those early career stories where it's just like so crazy to think about now. And then you're obviously mega hit. I Will Survive just totally launches your career. And that album where people are just sort of listening to it in its entirety, which Mm -hmm. is unprecedented, right? Yeah, absolutely. It was. It definitely was. And I loved the idea. Tom Moulton, the great mixologist, came up with that idea. And I loved it because I love dancing. Mm. And one five minute record was never enough for me. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. The album is entirely just music straight through that you can play without having to lift the record. Right. And the other reason why I thought that was a great idea was because I was thinking about the DJs. Sure. They're in these tiny little booths and they play and they have to keep playing these records when they need a break. You know, whenever they need a break, they're going to put on my record. (laughs) That's so smart. I love that. And you've talked about performing I Will Survive on the catwalk at Studio 54, which I just can't even imagine. That's like being the epicenter of the epicenter of disco. (laughs) What was that like? It was awesome. It was really, really great. I will never forget because um, uh, Julio Iglesias was in town and he had come to Studio 54. They knew he was coming. They expected him to sing, but he wouldn't sing. So I, I was happened to be there that night. I wasn't performing. I just happened to be there. And I went and I told him that, you know, he won't sing. I'll sing. And I did. I will survive. I just felt like the reigning queen over because I was on the catwalk and, and very few artists dared go on the catwalk. Really? Why is that? Because it's dangerous. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. All right. (laughs) So I I uh, I went up on the catwalk and I was singing I will survive and then I sang it in Spanish, what? which of course the people who a lot of people who were, were there were Latin because you know because oh, they, they were there they, for Julio Iglesias yeah 
you know. Oh my gosh. And that just added to my ability to take his place. Also, what a note to all of the performers out there, which is just always be ready. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I learned that in church. <laughs> Wait, in church? Wait, why in church? Because my pastor teaches, be prepared. In oh. a season. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I think that I assume for performers, a big part of that is, you know, I would say most of it is talent, but probably a huge chunk of that is is timing and yeah. luck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Be prepared. You know, I, I'm a I'm a big fan of disco myself. I grew up on the music and my parents actually taught me how to hustle in our family oh, room. Great. I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love it. And I, I think to me, in terms of, you know, the legacy of disco, I think about how it celebrated voices in black and brown communities and queer communities mm-hmm. that maybe weren't previously going as mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, and clearly, you know, your song, I Will Survive, was preserved by the Library of Congress, which is wow. What do you it. see the legacy of disco in our culture as being? Something that most people don't seem to recognize. Disco music is the only music in the history of music ever to bring together people from every race, creed, color, nationality, and age group. Oh, I love that. And it's true. Yeah. And that, I'm sure, was very special at the time and very different from what was happening. No, no music has ever done that. Every Hmm. music has pockets of people that it appeals to. This music appealed to everyone. Do you think that's part of why the sort of the massive pushback happened, the disco sucks pushback? Absolutely. It was getting too big. It was it was negatively affecting the bottom line of too many people. At least they thought that they thought that, which to me was so stupid. Nobody, nobody only likes one kind of music. No, that's so true. I mean, I also wonder if it, you know, came from maybe sort of like a homophobia or racist kind of place of, you know, whatever that is, being uncomfortable with seeing such a celebration of different cultures that way. Maybe, could be. Was that a, a shock when it happened? It was a shock to me because I thought it was the dumbest thing I'd ever heard of. I mean, <laughs> you go out there and you burn all of these records. Explain to me why you had them to start with. Yeah. Like the music. Yeah, it's so true. Also, how do you not love disco? Like, I cannot (laughs) not dance when I hear that music. I just love it so much. So you've been involved in so many different facets of the entertainment industry. And it's just honestly incredible to me. I'm just going to list some off here. You've done TV, you've written books, you've performed on Broadway, you recently performed on The Masked Singer, you won a Grammy in 2020 for your gospel album Testimony, and then somewhere in there you found the time to earn your degree in psychology. (laughs) I just, I'm always, you know, kind of scared to to try new things myself, especially professionally. Mm. How do you stay so motivated and also so fearless in trying new things? Hmm. That's a very good question. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, I see something I like or something I want to do and I just go for it. I figure my mother used to say nothing beats a child but a failure. Huh. That's interesting. But, uh, I mean, you can't win if you don't, tr- you can't fail if you don't try, but you can't win if you don't try. Do you feel that sort of fear when you try something new or are you just like invigorated? No, I don't. No, I don't really feel fear. I do. I feel the invigorated, uh, you know, kind of 
even maybe a little scintillated by the fact that I could miss it, miss the mark. Hmm. (laughs) I don't relate to that, but that sounds very healthy. I like that. (laughs) You know, you know, you know, I always remember the story. One thing that has inspired me throughout my life is the story of Jackie Robinson, Mm. how he had the most strikes of any, any, any baseball player because he hit at everything. Wow. He swung at everything. So he had the most hits. Yeah. And you, what is it? You lose a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Right. I mean, I guess I, I'm missing, I'm crossing sports metaphors here, but yeah, but that's true. Yeah. Wow. I love that. That's great. What is the other expense? If you aim it, nothing, you'll hit it every time. Oh man. So of all of these things that you've tried, I mean, what has been like the most surprising thing that you've found that you really love? One thing people don't really know about me is that I am more passionate about dancing than singing. Than about singing, really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've seen dancing that made me cry. Wow. I've never heard anybody sing that made me cry. Wow. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It just touches someplace in me that nothing else touches. That's beautiful. What kind of dance do you like? I love I love all kinds of dancing, but I love ballet. I love interpretive dancing. I love jazz dancing. I love um, um, hip hop dancing. I just I just love dancing. So to be inaugurated into the Dance Music Hall of Fame must have just been so meaningful. Yeah, yeah. You have a concert coming up at Bergen Pack on September yes. 16th. What can people expect from your song selections and from that experience? Something old, something new, something borrowed, nothing blue. Nothing blue. That's fabulous. You also just had the world premiere of your documentary, Gloria Gaynor, I Will Survive at the Tribeca yeah. Film Festival in June. Right. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, it was like so many years in the making, seven or eight years in the making. And we traveled all over the world um, doing parts for parts of it. And we just had a great time. It was quite cathartic Hmm. uh, doing it, um, bringing back old things and seeing where I had grown and and what had come out of my trials and tribulations. And, you know, it just was it was a wonderful, wonderful experience, and I'm so glad that I did it. And uh, I mean, I hope that it does very, very well, but it did well for me if it doesn't do well for anybody else. Oh, I love that. What, what was the inspiration behind doing the project? What made you want to do that? Well, the producer came and asked me, you know, to, to do it. I would have never thought of doing it. Doing hmm. it I didn't know that my life was inter- interesting enough for anybody to be <laughs> interested in. You know, I, I think you don't ever think your life is interesting. You always think everybody else's life is interesting. I don't know. I've been reading about you and I think your life is pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but um, she came and asked me to do it. And I was like, okay. Sure. Why not? Wow. That's great. So what is the documentary cover? And most, what it, the biggest part of it is the struggle that I had being accepted to do a gospel album because oh. I was the disco queen, you know, and, uh, and nobody wanted to hear from me in the, in the, disc, in the, in the gospel field. Nobody. Wow. That really surprises no me. Company, no record company. She, she's a disco singer. What does she know about gospel? What does hmm. she know about God? Wow. You know, like, 
So yeah, it was it was it was quite a struggle, and um, and I'm very happy, not only that I managed to do it. I mean, I mean, I financed the whole thing myself. Wow. Um, but not only that I managed to do it, but that it was so well received by the entertainment industry. Yeah. I mean, a Grammy is pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, I can't wait to see it when I'm able to see it. And I'm so excited for your upcoming Bergen Pack concert. Thank you. I'm looking forward to that. Nothing like singing for your homies. Thank you so much for giving me your time today. It was such a pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you so much for your interest. Gloria Gaynor will perform at Bergen Pack on Saturday, September 16th. For more information, visit bergenpack.org. If you liked this episode, be sure to give us a review, subscribe, and tell your friends. A transcript of this podcast, as well as links to related content and more about the arts in New Jersey, can be found on jerseyarts.com. The Jersey Arts Podcast is presented by Art Pride New Jersey, advancing a state of creativity since 1986. The show is co-founded by and currently supported by funds from the New Jersey State Council on the Arts, with additional support from the National Endowment for the Arts. This episode was hosted, produced, and edited by yours truly, Maddie Orton. Executive producers are Jim Atkinson and C. Stroud. Special thanks to the one and only Gloria Gaynor. I'm Maddie Orton for the Jersey Arts Podcast. Thanks for listening.